0: Welcome to Briefly Legal, your podcast briefing on legal news, developments, and legislation on the go. Brought to you by the attorneys of Crow and Dunleavy. The following should not be considered as a substitute for legal advice. Visit CrowDunleavy.com for more
1: information. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Briefly Legal, the podcast brought to you by the law firm of Crow and Dunleavy. This is your host, Adam Childers. I am thrilled to be here today, uh, back in the crow's nest, I'm looking out the studio windows. We got uh, we got that those those that March rain is coming down. You know, we got April showers bring May flowers, but right now March is uh, getting ahead of us uh, with some extra rain to add to whatever April brings to us. But that's okay because we're in the cozy confines of uh, the crow's nest, and we're getting back into the the thick of things. And and, and this time we're going to be talking about some new SEC rules, Securities Exchange Commission uh, SEC, and specifically talking about some um, data privacy rules that are being put into place that are right here on the horizon and so you know if I'm going to talk data privacy and, and and you probably will recall this from previous shows loyal listeners that's when I turn to none other than Anthony Hendricks Anthony say hello to everybody hey everyone I'm super excited to be here well I'm glad to have you here too you know the the reason that I turn to you on these topics is, as we well know is that uh, this is right there in your you know your bailiwick. you are are the uh, Cybersecurity and Data Privacy Practice Group Chair, which is a, a real feather in the cap. You're, you're young in your partnership career, but you're already, uh, you know, in control of a practice group, which is, is a really an amazing thing. And, um, you know, having you here means that I've got somebody who can really speak uh, to these types of, of topics. In fact, this topic that we're going to be talking about today, the reason it got onto um, our radar is that I understand you're going to be out at the Oklahoma Bankers Association conference. I think it's kicking off this weekend, but you'll be talking about this by I think next Monday is when you're slated to be there. Yes, yes. I'll be talking about uh, what boards should be thinking about and what senior leaders should be thinking about when it comes to cybersecurity. No, that's excellent. Yeah, and then we're gonna we're gonna dive into that topic and, and really put our arms around it uh, because there there are some new SEC rules that are going to come down the pike that really are, are important not just for publicly traded companies but really are going to set some standards that I think are going to be if not equally applicable at least nice guideposts for uh, others who are, are, are not in a publicly traded uh, sphere. You know, and I always like mentioning this before uh, you know we get started when 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 I have Anthony here is that I'd like to remind. Everybody that not only uh, you know is Anthony the, the the sultry voice of the the opening to uh, briefly legal. So if you if you, you if it sounds familiar, that's exactly uh, where where it's coming from. But he's also a podcaster uh, in his own right. Um, he has a podcast uh, that I think been going for about as many years as briefly legal. We're here in year three. Uh, Anthony, how long have you been going? Uh, Three years as well. Well, there you go. And the name of it is Nothing About You Says Computer Technology. And it's a great uh, look uh, into uh, the computer technology with an emphasis on, you know, how it relates to, you know, folks that don't always uh, think that that's the, an area that they would ordinarily get into. In fact, I think you uh, celebrated, um, uh, you know, Women's History Month by by having some shows that are kind of connected to that.
0: Yes, for March, which is Women's History Month, I wanted to highlight some voices, uh, from women in the cybersecurity and technology space. And so I had a podcast with Ayanna Lott Pollard, who is the executive director of Resilient Coders, which is a nonprofit that trains people of color to pivot into a career in tech. And I also had an interview with Laura Bell Main, who is the founder and CEO of SafeStack, uh, which is an online training platform that teaches software developers cybersecurity skills, so that your software has cybersecurity
1: baked into it. Well, terrific! You know, I we we don't overwhelm our listeners with all the podcasting options out there, but you know, I'm just going to tell them go to briefly legal and uh, go to nothing about you says computer technology and i think you'll have a wonderful uh, afternoon evening uh, morning uh, commute of listening to some great podcast material so thanks again anthony for being here and, and let's let's dive into this the, these new rules from the sec you know are really going to put an onus on you know these publicly traded boards to really kind of you know essentially kind of showcase what are they doing to make certain that they're They're protecting uh, the, you know, the the company against these kinds of attacks. But I don't want somebody to to, to tune out now and say, well, I'm not a publicly traded company. You know, this isn't going to affect me. Tell us why you think this is important for, you know, anyone who's at at a major business. So cybersecurity is important
0: for everyone. Uh, But when we talk about these rules from the SEC, uh, you may be saying, hey, this doesn't apply to me. Why are we talking about this? Why should I be listening? It's because when you deal with any type of government agency, they are like students who are poor students, they cheat off of the other one. And so you'll you will see another agency kind of mimic these rules or, or use some of these findings from these rules to provide guidance to people that they regulate. And so it's important to kind of stay abreast to trends that are happening when it comes to cybersecurity, when it comes to leadership uh, in the area
1: of cybersecurity that makes complete sense you got to watch out for those who are just trying to crib off your uh, off others work that's that's where real mistakes get made well let, let's go ahead and jump in here then I, as i understand it there's kind of three main tenets to these uh, sec rules so we'll kind of tackle them you know one by one you know the first thing is it looks like that there's going to be a requirement that there is a disclosure made by these publicly traded boards uh, for publicly traded companies of any cyber incidents that have taken place. So let's let's kind of examine that for a second. So so first is there a is a th- is there a threshold for determining what needs to be de- disclosed when it comes to a, a cyber incident? Sure, the
0: SEC kind of defines it as material cyber incident. And so you may be asking what's material. And so material, they don't really give you a specific definition. They just say that it's something that a reasonable shareholder would consider important when they're making the decision of whether they're going to invest in your company or not. Uh, and, and so it's kind of left up to the company to kind of determine what falls into that bucket of material. Uh, now, the SEC did try to give you some examples of what a material kind of cyber incident is, but those examples are pretty broad. They might say an incident where. Information is accessed by an outside intruder, and they don't really define if it's a big breach, if it's a small breach, uh, what type of information they actually accessed. And so it's important to kind of have those conversations uh, beforehand, why it's calm about what is considered material so that you're not having to make these difficult decisions during a very, very stressful, hard time of a security incident happening to your company. I love that
1: advice. Talk about it now. It's so often we see clients face these challenges in the heat of the moment and trying to have those discussions when, you know, at times, you know, the future of the company or perhaps that person's job title is, all, is, is at stake. Uh, that's not the time, as you said, to, to be having those discussions. And and I, and I did want to remark, too, that, you know, it's something an investor would want to know about. I'm I'm thinking to myself, there's some investors who would want to know every nook and cranny there ever could be. So obviously, the, there'll probably be a little latitude given there. But that is a bit scary that it's broad enough that you could, you could throw a net out there and almost get every complaint under the sun. Yes. Yeah. And that's why it's important to have that conversation
0: now to look at some examples together with your attorney, uh, with the people on your leadership team, uh, so that you kind of have a better idea of what would hit that smell test
1: for material. Absolutely. And, and so is, is there a time limit for how soon that 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 disclosure needs to be made? So under the proposed rules, um,
0: which would go into effect later this year, uh, right now it's at four business days.
1: Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a quick turnaround. Um, you might have an intervening, uh, weekend that gives you a little extra time, but, but yeah, that, that, that calls for, for, uh, you know, making decisions quickly. Um, and then obviously there's got to be a, a, a stick to, to go along with this. I'm sure there's consequences for failure to, to live up to these disclosure requirements. Certainly failing to comply with SEC rules can lead to enforcement
0: actions by the SEC where they can do all types of things uh, from fines and penalties
1: to other restrictions placed on, on you and your company. And as we all know, any agency, federal, state that comes in to kind of audits one problem can very well find other issues, too. And that's best way to avoid that altogether is not have the first issue that brings them in the in the door. Um well, that's the first tenet of these SEC rules. And as you said, they've gone through this rulemaking process. We don't know exactly when this is going to roll out, but your best estimates, how long? Uh, in
0: the coming months. And so maybe April, maybe a little bit further down the line, okay. uh, but they're coming soon.
1: OK, uh, certainly some we'll see this year. Um, so the the next uh, core part of these SEC rules is um, it really focuses on the board members themselves. Right. And and specifically, you know, there's uh, I think there's going to be a requirement that, you know, you need to have board members that have, you know, at least some experience with, uh, you know, cybersecurity issues. Is that is that a fair characterization? Yeah. So the SEC really wants transparency from companies uh,
0: about their cybersecurity capabilities at the board level. Uh, They want to know what their experience is uh, when it comes to cybersecurity. Uh, And and so I I think that's kind of a a straightforward kind of requirement, wanting to know what your capabilities are. Um, But I think we're at a troubling space right now. So a recent Forbes article by Brian Walker kind of used publicly available information uh, and found that 90% of companies in the Russell 3000, so those are the 3000 largest uh, publicly traded companies in the US, lack even a single director with necessary cyber expertise. And and so, yeah, it's pointing to kind of a troubling uh, uh, area when it comes to having the right members on a board, having the
1: right training to take your current board members and making them cyber capable. So there's no threshold on how much experience they have to have, but there's, they want something. (laughs) When it sounds like, and right now there's not much out there um, at all. What about, um, does, does there... Need to be a point person or a committee of any type? Do they 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 go that far as well? So the rules also talking about governance, like how you're going to
0: address these cybersecurity kind of issues, and, and they do that on, on two fronts. They want to know who is responsible for cybersecurity, whether that's an individual, whether that's a subcommittee of the board. They kind of want to know who that is, but then they also want to know how you're actually going to address the cybersecurity risk that your company. Uh, faces and how often are you talking about that at the board level? Are you having yearly kind of updates on what your cybersecurity issues are and risk are, or is this something that happens quarterly? They kind of want to know how often. These conversations are had.
1: So yeah, it's 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 focusing not just on you know does somebody know something about it. It's like are you talking about it? Because it the the more you are and the more you're kind of working through these scenarios, better chance of you being able to handle the disclosure rules and 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 handle the situation when it when it comes up. So I guess that begs the question. I'm thinking to myself, um, you know, I'm CEO of a, of a of a of a board, and I look around. I got eight board members and. Seven of them don't know how to spell, uh, you know, privacy breach, and you know the the eighth one, you know, knows just a little bit. I'm going to have to get them up to speed or get an entire different, entirely different board. I'm guessing the first one's the better option, at least in terms of not you know throwing out the baby with the bathwater. So that means training, right? What uh, what kind of training's out there?
0: Sure, it does mean training, and I I want to stress to everyone that we're not expecting everyone to be an expert. We are expecting you to be a leader. Uh, and, and so that's kind of the title of the talk that I'm going to be giving at the Oklahoma Bankers Association, not experts, but leaders. Uh, and so how do you get yourself up to speed so that you can actually be a leader of your cybersecurity program, how you can show leadership when it comes to cybersecurity risk? And that involves all types of training. Um, It includes tabletop exercises. So what are those? Those are kind of a dress rehearsal. It it is a a full court scrimmage uh, where you are having a pretend cybersecurity incident, and then you go through the process of what you would do during that incident, what your responsibilities are. And so that's a perfect opportunity for senior leaders and for board members to figure out what they would be doing uh, during a certain type of cybersecurity incident. It's like corporate war games or something. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then there's just the kind of general kind of training about what your risks are, because the risk that a bank may face are, are, is very different than the risk that a university may face. Uh, and so they have different types of cybersecurity risk. And so your training should be focused
1: on what your actual risk are. So, you know, you're in this sphere, you're you you chair a group that uh focuses on the issues are is this, is this training that you do? Uh, Absolutely. For several of our clients, we've done
0: tabletop exercises, uh, whether they're half day or full day kind of exercise that walks them through what would happen during a cybersecurity incident, how they should respond. Uh, And then at the end, we kind of have a lessons learned. We kind of walk through areas that need a little bit of improvement. Uh, We talk about challenges and how to fix those challenges going forward so that when we do have a real cybersecurity incident, uh, we are placing ourselves in the
1: best position. Yeah, and that sounds so much more interesting than a kind of boring seminar. No, no offense to the your presentation next week or any of my presentations that I routinely give, but you know, actually having a hands-on, you know, real-life scenario—I bet that really soaks in the knowledge in a way that just listening to and watching a PowerPoint can't. Absolutely, because you're in there with everyone who's involved or has a responsibility
0: for responding to an incident. And so for a lot of people, this is the first time that they're having a conversation with all of the members that are in their technical team as a senior leader. And so they're able to have those conversations so that the first time that they're actually talking to each other is not during a high stressful situation, but during an exercise. And it also allows uh, our, our technical experts to have more interaction with our senior
1: leaders so that they feel comfortable providing them the necessary information that they need. Excellent. Now, that's that closes out two thirds of the SEC's kind of um, pillars of these new rules. But there's still sort of this um, kind of amorphous question of, you know, asking these uh, boards, how do you deal with cyber risk? And I think this kind of goes hand in hand when you're talking about governance. So talk, talk us through um, what are the things that they're going to be requiring of these boards as it relates to that issue. So they really want to know how the boards actually
0: address this risk and how they kind of make this part of their business strategy, how they're providing oversight, how, how they're having risk management. They kind of want to know not just that you have a policy, but like, how are you incorporating it into what you do as a business?
1: Yeah, and and so, in in maybe in I don't know. I think of things oftentimes as an employment lawyer. Well, they're going to want to see your policies and your procedures, right? But that's that's not just what they're asking for here. They don't want something that just is or isn't read or uses a doorstop for somebody. They they want to know that it's more organic and, and, and that it's being used consistently. Is that right? Yeah, they
0: they want it to be a playbook. Uh, I often describe things as your uh, cybersecurity incident response plan is your playbook because you should be practicing it, you should be reviewing it, you should be implementing it. If you're going to be the best quarterback in the league, you have to be studying the playbooks. And so if you're going to be cyber ready, if your business is going to make the right decisions when it comes to cybersecurity and data privacy, you have to be constantly thinking about How to implement and use these plans and policies? How, when we make a business decision, are we keeping in mind about
1: cybersecurity issues and cybersecurity risk? And and because cybersecurity issues develop and change so quickly with technology, yeah, it, it just reinforces the need for that to be a constant discussion and really something that gets developed, you know, if not daily, at least weekly and monthly, right? Yeah. So when it comes to technology, a
0: lot of people want to talk about buying just the newest technology just to buy it. And that's not the requirement. No one is going to require you to buy all of the things just because. You want to have the best technology for your business, for the issues that your business faces. And when you make decisions about technology, you should also be thinking about how does that uh, change or impact our cyber
1: risk. Absolutely. And that's wise advice, whether you're You know, a Fortune 500 publicly traded company, or just an up and coming up and coming company that doesn't want to be held ransom by uh, you know someone that's uh, figured out how to breach their security and they they haven't thought through those issues on the front side. Well, it's fascinating. I, I I tell you this every time that you're here, but it continues to be true. Part of this is just I'm I'm not the most techie guy, but I but I like to learn about it because I think it's just so fascinating, and I'm 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 in awe of the fact that that there are people like you that are you know not only up to date on the tech side of it but for you to know the ins and outs of the law as it relates to it and to be able to help folks, you know, on the front side, but also, you know, when the emergency happens, you know, I've seen you in action when I've had to call you and say, you know, my client's got X, Y, Z happening and I know just enough to hand it off and, and you take it from there. So, um, it's uh, it's really an amazing job that you're doing and, a, and I really appreciate you coming to talk to us uh, about these new developments and, and who knows when these uh, new rules come out, maybe there'll be a few more wrinkles that we need to discuss, but even if not not that. I'm sure there'll be other cybersecurity issues that we'll talk about as the year develops. But in the meantime, before we close out this uh, podcast, um, you know, you've been here enough. There's no reason to play uh, Know That Crow. We, we we know a few things about you. Um, so I, in in lieu of that, what I've done with my recent guests is just uh, kick around something that, you know, is a, a current event. You and I are both sports fans. We always wind up using sports analogies, just like you did with the QB uh, uh, there just a, a few minutes ago, uh, and we both like hoops, at, um, and it's it's Mar- March Madness time, but let's talk about something that we don't always talk about, or not everyone talks about, that's the women's Final Four. This has been a terrific year, some amazing things have in the women's Final Four. Oh, it's, it's been absolutely amazing. Uh, just watching the teams,
0: uh, we've gotten some teams that aren't traditionally in the Final Four, right uh, there right now, and then some traditional powers that aren't there. We're, there's no UConn. Uh, instead, we have Iowa, uh, right, it, it, and so it's just been amazing to watch. Uh, all the games have been super competitive, uh, super entertaining, uh, and, and in some cases, record
1: breaking. Uh, like that Iowa game where Caitlin Clark uh, had a 40 point triple double. That's amazing. She just got named Player of the Year today. Much, uh, much deserved to be sure. Uh, you know. The fact, just getting back to this Yukon thing. I mean, Gino Ariyama, I think we were talking about a pre-show. It's something on the order of like 15 straight years or something being in the Final Four. I just can't imagine how that feels for him. But more importantly, I think and I think that's why there's this breath of fresh air in the game is that it just gives a chance to these others to to really shine. Not the least of which, South Carolina. That kind of looks like they're positioned themselves to be. I don't know the next Yukon.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like they're they're playing amazing. Uh, even though she wasn't named Player of the Year, uh, their center Boston, she is amazing. She was Player of the Year before. Uh, she won a national championship last year, and uh, she she's in a good position to uh, uh, repeat. No uh, doubt. And then also LSU. Um, yes, you, you know they're back in the Final Four for the first time, and I think it was like maybe two thousand right. uh, and eight, right? And so. You know, just watching their turnaround it has been, you know, amazing.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's just exciting all the way around. It this is, this time of year, I love the NCAA tournament. There's nothing quite like it, and uh, watching you know um, the underdogs win is what makes it exciting. And for so long, women's basketball as much fun as it was, you just sort of knew what it was going to look like when it went down to the end. But that's just not the way it is right now. So if if you're not watching, you should be. And uh, you know, this great weekend of basketball coming up for you for everyone. One to see, and uh, well, that's—I know that that's what we'll be doing, you and I, this weekend. And, uh, and and but you know, in the in the meantime, you know, I I, I hope other people join in because again, it, it's it's a whole lot of fun. So um, that's a wrap on this week's show. Um, it sure has been fun having Anthony here, and we're uh, picking up the pace on our uh, episodes. We've already got several more loaded up uh, to to bring people here into the the crow's nest into the studio. So we're excited to get those out to you soon um, you know if you have a if you have a show idea be sure to send it to uh, you know Tyler um, our, our producer uh, the directions for doing that are there on our uh, the, the page on our website uh, that uh, has our, our our podcast and of course you know listen to this podcast anywhere you uh, get your podcast uh, material that's going to be uh, Apple Spotify stitcher uh, any of those platforms and others are available and and when you do you know do us a favor drop us a, a rating with uh, let us uh, know that you enjoyed what you had to hear. It uh, sure does feel good, and it's uh, and it's a real uh, uh, heartwarming experience for us to get to do this show. And it, it makes us feel better when we know that you're getting to enjoy it out there. So, um, until next time, when we're uh, all together, just hope that everybody stays safe and happy out there. Enjoy some hoops, and um, you know we look forward to seeing you here next time on Briefly Legal.